audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. For more information about our church, for more sermon audio, or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Hey church, I hope you are doing well. I am I am so excited to look at the the, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, but uh, before we look at 1 Corinthians, um, we are coming off, last weekend was in, an absolutely incredible weekend for our church. Uh, as many, if not uh, most of you already know, we are in the, in the final stages of planting a church, of starting a new church in the west side of San Antonio. And last weekend was the their first preview service. So as a as a church they they gathered for the first time Mission Community Church gathered in on in their community to worship Jesus last weekend. It was an incredible time. An incredible time. I even heard stories of 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 someone responding to the gospel for the first time in their service, which is just just incredible. I was I was telling Mike that that you know if um if you just closed the doors now and went home and Mission Community Church that was it we're done it would be worth it. God has been so good, and we can't wait for what the future holds. Uh, and it was just an incredible weekend. But but more than what was going on on the west side of town, uh, we here at Stone Oak Bible Church gave you an opportunity uh, to be generous. And we, we took a moment for, for all of us to, to be able to give, to, to financially come around Mission Community Church to launch it well. And, and I am so incredibly grateful. I am so thankful. Uh, church, you guys responded. Not only did a large number of our of, of of Stone Oak Bible Church people go to Mission Community to show our support last week, but but we showed up and we and we were generous church last weekend. Over fourteen thousand dollars came in for Mission Community Church to launch them. Well, I am so I am so proud and I am so excited for what God has, and this is only this is only the beginning, so I cannot wait. Um, like I said, though, I am, I am really excited about this week as we look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to actually start into chapter 2 uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to start in. And, and so if you have your Bibles, you can, you can find your place with me there, starting right in the beginning of chapter 2. And as you're finding your place there, um, I want to I start us off with a bit of a question and, and um, you, you don't have to, to answer this one out loud, but, but I want you to honestly answer this. Um, how many of you have shared the message of the gospel with another person? Better yet, how many of you are comfortable sharing the gospel with another person? 
As you think about that, I want to I want to share some statistics with us. According to the statistics, 80% of Christians and and the way they define that is those who who call themselves Christians who attend church at least one Sunday a month, all right? So 80% of of Christians believe that they are personally responsible to share their faith. Right? So so they know, right? The Bible tells us to share our faith, that the harvest is is plenty, the workers are few, beautiful are the feet of those who go, right? We know that Jesus told us to go and make disciples, that he promised his spirit to equip us in this. Uh, Beyond that, you know, we know that we have this annoying pastor who keeps telling us to do this, right? some of you are thinking, well, I'm starting to think that my annoying pastor is about to do this right now. <laughs> Hang in there with me, all right? But 80% of us know that we need to do this. So another way to think of it, four out of five of us know that we shoulder the responsibility to share our faith, to share the gospel message. But here's something else that the statistics show us is that 61% of Christians, again, meaning those who call themselves Christians and who go to church at least once a month, 61% have never shared the gospel with anyone. So for easy math and an easy way to think about this, although four out of every five of us understand that we know we need to be sharing our faith. We feel the responsibility. We feel the weight of God's word calling us to do this. We know it. Four out of five of us know it, but three out of five of us have not acted on it this year. Church, there's a disconnect here. And we need to ask ourselves, what's happening here? What's the disconnect? Because obviously it's not a knowledge problem. It's not a, well, I didn't know that like an ignorance problem. It's something else. What is causing this this disconnect between what we know and what we do when it comes to sharing our faith? And And I believe this is why, here's why I'm so excited about this text this morning, is I believe that this text answers that question. That no matter who you are, maybe you are here and you would, you would, you're, you are active in sharing your faith. Maybe you're here and you are one of the few that, that are active in sharing your faith. Praise God. But this sermon, this text is for you. Maybe you're here and you are, and you are not active in sharing your faith. Um, church, this message, we need to hear this. We need to hear this, this today. Paul is going to lay down just a, a foundation. And, and let me just be honest with you. This week has, this text has really challenged me this week. I feel like this text was speaking directly uh, to me. Not, it was like I had to wrestle with it for a long time. And then I had to stop and realize, wow, this is something that, that, that God has for us as a church in this moment. And so my hope, my hope, is no matter who you are, where you come from, where you are in your walk with Jesus, that, that God speaks to us through his word. And then we leave here changed. That's my hope. And so let's look together at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's just start right in verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers... 
did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, there's something important that is happening here in these, in these two verses. Paul is, is looking back on the time when he was with this church. And remember, um, we talked about it was about three years prior to writing this, and he's now in a different city, but he's looking back at this church at the moment when the gospel first took root in the Corinthian people. Back before this church was planted, he's thinking back on that scene, if you remember, in Acts 18, when, when the gospel is starting to take root in this people and this church was being planted, and Paul looks back at that, and he says, look, I didn't preach a smooth and a polished gospel presentation. I didn't seek to have all the answers to all of the, the philosophical arguments of the day. I, I didn't try to woo you with my eloquent speaking ability, right? No, it wasn't any of these things that caused the gospel to take root in this city. It wasn't any of these things. And, and spoiler spoiler alert, um, None of these things cause the gospel to take root today either, uh, but I get, I get ahead. So as Paul looks back on the, on the moments when this church heard and responded to the gospel for the very first time, he says, you know what? I decided to know nothing among you, nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing. And, and realize Paul was not a moron. He was not stupid. In fact, he had a rather impressive resume that you can read sometime in Philippians 3, but he intentionally lays that down. He intentionally puts that down. It was a conscious decision, laying aside his attempt to persuade them with wisdom, eloquent or lofty speech, and making the conscious decision to preach the simple gospel, just Jesus and him crucified. That's it. And keep in mind, Paul just, he, he told us just a few verses before this that, that Jesus and him crucified is foolishness to the world. It's foolishness to the world. Paul tells us this, yet Paul steps into this world, into this culture, armed with nothing but the gospel. Now put yourself, just for a moment, think about it, put yourself in that moment. New city, hostile toward the gospel, thinks you're crazy. Would you have been tempted to bring something else to this table? Right? Would you have been tempted to maybe rely on, on something else, maybe some of your strengths, your skills, maybe a, rely on your resume a little bit? Or would you have felt compelled to kind of over-contextualize the gospel so they wouldn't think you're all that crazy? Right? I'm sure you've heard the, the acronym uh, KISS. Uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? Um, well, that's what Paul does, right? That's what Paul does. He keeps it simple. He, he decides to employ nothing but the proclamation of the gospel message, Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And listen to this. Oh, this is important. Verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, 
in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. Paul is, this is Paul talking here. Paul. And Paul was the man, right? Paul was, was the man. And yet, he says, I was weak. There was fear, much trembling. What? If, if that was Paul's demeanor, what chance is there for us, right? Uh, let me give you one more statistic this morning. This comes from um, the same stats, the same study that I referenced this morning. It says 12% of Christians are, uh, consider themselves comfortable sharing their faith. So to put it differently, 88% of Christians are not comfortable sharing their faith. 88% of Christians say, you know what? I am uncomfortable. There is a fear here. There is a hesitancy here. There's something here. And here in this text, it seems like Paul, at least at this point, is saying, yeah, I'm there. I agree. Some of you are thinking, right, well, well, well hey, I, I don't feel so alone then. Um, if you are here and you are thinking, I don't, I don't know if I want to share my faith because I don't know if I have all the right words. I don't think I know all the right answers to their questions. I, I'm afraid I'm fearful of rejection. I'm afraid of awkwardness. Anyone here love awkwardness? Yeah, no one. It's, it's, it's awkward, right? No one loves that. Maybe you're, you feel like you're too weak or, or um, maybe you just don't know. I'm not going to be able to present the message perfectly, right? I don't want to mess something up. I would guess, church, that so many of us feel this way. And here's the beauty. You are not alone. Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, meaning I didn't uh, come to you thinking that I had the most polished and foolproof gospel presentation. I didn't uh, come to you thinking that I was just going to crush any possible debate. No. In verse 2, he says, For I decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and, and in much in fear and much trembling, meaning I, Paul, right? I approached this with a bit of anxiety and, and fear and much trembling. I wasn't waiting to be in my comfort zone here, right? And then in verse four, in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. Again, Paul is, is, is not stepping into this with a complete confidence in himself and his abilities, and this is Paul, church. This is Paul. And, and, and if we're honest, according to the statistics and what they tell us, there's a good chance that not only is this Paul, but there's a good chance that this is you. This is you too. Hear me. This is important. We have to see this. None of that. None of the fear. None of what we just talked about. None of that stopped Paul from sharing the gospel. None of it. And so pause for a quick moment. Um, I want you to hear me. You are not a lesser Christian for feeling the way that Paul felt. You're not a lesser Christian for feeling that way. However, you are a disobedient Christian if you let it stop there. 
Because here's the thing that we must see, and I, and I mean this. We, we have to see this. This is what wrecked me this week. Paul does not end there. Paul doesn't let the fear or, or anything else stop him from sharing the gospel. He says, I was with you in, in, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and, and my speech, my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. And then listen to this, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. Here's what's happening here, church. Paul has an undeniable and unmatched confidence in the spirits moving in power through the plain and the simple gospel. He believes that the gospel is literally power. He believed that the spirit moved in power through the gospel being proclaimed. He believed this to his core. And if, since, the, the presentation and power of the gospel did not rest on Paul, Paul could simultaneously, on one hand, feel an inadequacy in himself, and at the very same time, and on the other hand, feel a complete and a, and a total confidence in sharing the gospel message. Here is what I believe. Here is what I believe, and here is what I've been wrestling with this week. The foundational issue, the foundational issue um, as to whether or not we share the gospel is simple. It's not a fear problem. It's not an ability problem. It's not a, a, a lack of knowledge problem. Church, the foundational issue it's a belief problem. It's a belief problem. I believe in my core that, that the Spirit through the simple, if we believe that, that, that the Spirit through the simple gospel message, the proclaiming of the gospel, literally powerfully changes a, a person's heart. If I literally believed that the gospel does not need my help to make it more relevant, to make it more powerful, to make it more applicable, to make it more reasonable. If I literally believed that evangelism is a supernatural work that God does through me, and I believed, I literally believed that God was going to do his part then it is no longer about my fear. It's no longer about my ability. It's no longer about my knowledge. And it's not even about the results. If I literally believe that, then it is simply about obedience at that point. The gospel doesn't need you to make it more powerful. The simple message of Jesus Christ and, and him crucified. It was enough for the Corinthian Church, in, in the Corinthian community, in church, it is enough for us today. The effectiveness of the gospel message does not rest on your ability, on your wisdom, on your ability to persuade. The effectiveness of the gospel is 
ever only a work of the Spirit. And if we believe this, truly believe this, then like Paul, we could simultaneously be aware of our shortcomings and also completely confident in the gospel as it is proclaimed. Church, don't wait until you think that you're capable enough to share the message of what Jesus Christ has done because it is not and it has never been about your capabilities, rather your obedience. It's about believing him, what he said he would do and obeying him and doing what he said to do. There has never been someone so gifted, so talented um, that they, through their abilities, have, have somehow convinced someone to become a Christian because that is not how this works. That is not how the dead come alive. In fact, I guarantee, I guarantee that out of all of us who are followers of Christ, that none not one, none of us truly came to faith in Jesus Christ because of the, the, the power of a great communicator. Because church, that's not how this works. And Paul knows that. And he says, he makes the decision up front. I'm going to rely um, on, on the gospel and the gospel alone, I'm not going to try to bring anything else to this table because the gospel is enough. It will always be enough. I know it is foolishness to the world, but it is also the power of salvation. And then Paul says in verse five, listen to this, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. Oh, in the power of God. Church, that's the foundation. You see, if, I, if you were persuaded or, or convinced by any man to, to become a, a Christian, then your faith rests in the wisdom of men. But Paul says, we don't want that. We want your faith grounded in the very power of God. And that is why we put aside all of the gimmicks and persuasion and we proclaim the simple truth of there's a there's a saying that I love uh, I'm not sure actually who can uh, fully take the credit for it uh, it's one of those that I come I've come across it in in several writings and in several books and so um, like a professor told me we're all just thieves stealing from other thieves at this point right <laughs> um, so I don't know who to give the credit for uh, here, but this is so, so good. And oh, this is true. Oh, this is true. Um, and, and here's why I bring this. Up. I believe that this, that this saying, uh, summarizes and, and brings together this entire scripture, sums it all up. And I think it's important that we wrap our minds around this. Hear me. Here it is. What you win them with is what you win them to. What you win them with is what you win them to. Now, let me show you 
how this plays out on a and on a big picture church wide, all of us together collective, right? Let me show you how this plays out on a church wide level. And then we'll drill it down, drive it down a little bit, and we'll look at it on an individual level. But I think it's a little easier to start as we look at this on the big picture level. Um, as a church, there are, there are many things that we could do to grow. Many, actually, uh, positive things, good things. For example, let me give you a few. Um, we could focus our energy on entertaining people. Uh, making sure, making sure that people have a great time when they're here with us and they're a part of our services, that they have a great time, um, that they enjoy their time with us on Sunday mornings or in our groups or uh, in our ministries, that they enjoy their time, right? Now, do I hope that, that you enjoy your time here? No, right? Absolutely not. Of course I do. Yes, of course I do, right? But, but understand, our church, our church is not organized around your entertainment. Because we know that if we win people with entertainment, that, that we have won them to entertainment. And the moment that, they are, uh, that, that we stop entertaining them is the moment that they then leave. This is a bit of a bait and switch tactic here. And it doesn't work because there's no foundation. There's no foundation. Let me give you another example. We could focus our, our energy on making people feel welcome. Now, um, that people would just feel like they are needed, that they are wanted here, that people feel as though every time they come to church, it's like a huge hug every week. If you're into hugs, right? If you're not, just ignore that I said that, right? <laughs> now, do I hope that you feel welcome here at Stone Oak? Please hear me. Yes, my hope is that no matter who you are, uh, no matter where you come from, that you feel more welcome here than anywhere else that you go, that you not only feel welcome, but you feel the freedom to invite anyone to come to our church and you know that they're going to be loved and accepted and welcomed, right? But hear me, our church is also not organized around your comfort Again, is having a good time or being comfortable or being welcomed bad? Of course not. No. Unless church, unless any of those things become our primary goal. Let me be clear. Our primary goal every week is to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, we are a one-trick pony. And besides, just by the way, you don't want a church where you are the point and your entertainment, your company. You don't want that church. That's boring, right? So you don't want that. We are a one-trick pony here. We, we believe that our primary goal has to be, must be the proclamation of the gospel. That is our primary aim because, here's why, because we believe that from the gospel, from the preaching, the proclaiming, the believing, the responding to the gospel, that 
all of those other things flow out of it. In other words, if we're a people who believe in our caught up in the goodness of the gospel, then our meetings together, our gatherings together are probably going to be pretty enjoyable. Amen? If we're a people who believed and are, are caught up in the gospel, our meetings are probably going to be pretty welcoming, right? It's because the gospel itself calls for these things in response. We know that as a church, what you win them with is what you win them to. And so we have made a conscious decision not to lose sight of this at Stone Oak Bible. We exist for this. We believe our power is this. And apart from this, we should just go, go home, stay home. Let me put this in a little more um, um, clear way here. Uh, my hope is that the power of our church never rests on um, auxiliary things, that it never rests on the incredible music ability and talent of any musician. It doesn't rest on the inviting atmosphere of any of our services, that it doesn't rest in the friendliness of our people or the speaking ability of any preacher or anything else like that, but that our power is instead the gospel. The thing that grips your heart when you are here with us at Stono is that you have a better understanding and a better picture and a bigger love for the gospel. That the power of our music is that the gospel is presented in it. That the power of our atmosphere is that it points us better to the gospel. That the power of our friendly people is that you can just see the love that they have for the gospel and it is contagious. That the power of our preaching is because the gospel is proclaimed clearly and often. What we win them with is what we win them to. And I, and I relate to Paul as a, as a church. We choose the gospel of Christ and him crucified and we believe in the power of the gospel through the spirit of God. Amen? I mean, say amen to that one. Kind of have to, I think, right? <laughs> now, that's on a corporate, um, collective, church-wide level. And for many of us, it's a little bit easier to see this on that level. But what I want us to do is, is understand that what's true for the whole is also true for the parts. And what's true for us collectively is also true for you individually. What you win them with is what you win them to. And here's how we can see this kind of work out in our lives. Let me ask you a question. What is the number one objective when it comes to sharing the gospel? What's the number one objective when it comes to sharing the gospel? And this is not a trick question. What's the number one objective? It's to share the gospel, right? It's not a trick question, I told you. It's to share the gospel. The number one objective in sharing the gospel is to share the gospel. Would you agree? It's like a weatherman, right? The number one objective for a weatherman is to share the weather, right? Yet... If we are not careful, 
our sharing the gospel can, can start to become about something else entirely. Just like our church on a church-wide level, um, you can focus your energy on making people feel comfort, uh, comfortable, entertained, have a good time, have a good time with you, have a great time in your home, be friendly, right? And, and, and just like on a church-wide level, none of those are a bad thing. In fact, I hope that people enjoy being around you. I hope that you're friendly. I hope that you're welcoming, right? These are not bad things. But as we said, the goal of evangelism is to share the gospel. Going back to the weatherman analogy, um, it's like if you had a weatherman you really liked him. He was really entertaining. Just seemed so genuine and friendly. He was awesome. Like, really entertaining. Um, except he never actually shares the weather with you. <laughs> I mean, he's fun, uh, but he's not all that useful, right? Not all that, all that useful. Just like on a church-wide level, um, we can focus our energy on making people feel welcomed and love all good things, that those far from Christ feel as though you love them, right? That they're welcome here. Um, we can, can focus on, on, on other things, and you and I can focus on good things, but hear me, at the expense of sharing the message These things are not a replacement for evangelism. There's a heavy reality that God has created you and called you to be his messenger. That there is a community, there's a neighborhood right outside of this door. Uh, there are people, thousands of people right around us that are, that are lost and far from Christ in church. So many do not know the good news of Jesus Christ, and they don't know why on earth it matters. And this is ours. This is our privilege to share. In community, and friendship, making someone feel at home and welcomed, having a good time, inviting people to your community group, inviting people to your church, making people feel as though they can belong before they believe, all of these are great things, and all of these things are things that, church, you should be doing. All of them. But, church, hear me. Those great things are not evangelism. They're tools. They're great things that can help you in this process. Yes. But those things, again, are not a replacement for sharing the gospel message. The gospel message, as Paul says, Jesus Christ and him crucified, is a message to share, and it requires words. There's an old uh, quote that is attributed to Francis of Assisi. Now, uh, we don't know if he actually said this, but it is they, they give him the credit for it, all right? But I, I'm assuming that some of you have actually heard this quote. It's pretty common today in the church. But it says, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. 
<laughs> now, I get it. Like, I get where he's going here. I get that we need to live out our faith in a way that causes them to see Jesus. I get that we need to live out the gospel. Get it. Amen, 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 amen to all of that. However, I really don't like this quote. I, 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 and I mean no offense. If anyone here has a, a tattoo on your arm that, that has this quote, I uh, apologize. I know this is going to be awkward. Um, whew, I just don't like this quote. Here's why. I believe it's misleading. Now, although it's true that our lifestyle um, and our lives, they should reflect the things that we believe. Our life should reflect the gospel. That's absolutely true. Sharing the gospel with someone um, requires words. It requires words. The Preaching the gospel requires words. Living out the gospel is never meant to be a replacement for sharing the gospel. Let me say it again. Living out the gospel is not a replacement for sharing the gospel. This is a both and kind of things here, church. This is not an, an either or, right? I would so prefer if this quote said, preach the gospel with your life. And because it is necessary, also use your words, right? <laughs> Some of you might still have some room on your tattooed arm to add those words in. You can do that. It'd be great. Um, but listen, it, it requires words. Whether it be written, spoken, typed, signed, we use words. We choose to use our words to communicate the most incredible message the world has ever known. Hear me, church. God so loved you that he sent his son into the world to be born to live a perfect life the life you could not live to be crucified on a cross a brutal and unfair death to literally die the death that you deserved and then resurrected that death the grave they could not keep him he rose and he gave you life through the victory that he earned and so now, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we know the gift of his grace. We know the love of God through the faith in Jesus Christ alone. Church, this is the gospel, that Jesus came and he died for you, giving you forgiveness of your sin, giving you adoption into the family of God, and giving you eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. Church, not only does your salvation rest in that message, but you are messengers, ambassadors of that message to take it to a world who desperately needs to hear. And the power of that message, church, does not rely, does not rest on your powerful delivery of it. The Holy Spirit works through the gospel message being proclaimed. I cannot tell you how many times, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have shared the gospel 
and walked away thinking, well, I stunk that up. <laughs> I fumbled them with my words. I, I think I forgot to mention a ton of things that I should have brought up, right? And I can't tell you how many times it's those moments that God uses. It's almost as if he, he reminds me, um, it's not about you and it never has been. It's never been about your capabilities or lack thereof. It's about your obedience. Church, will you be obedient? This morning, I was, uh, I was working in, um, in a Starbucks early in the morning. It's kind of my morning routine, right? And, and I was, uh, I was doing some work and I got a call from my wife from, uh, from Candace and she let me know that she walked into our living room to see, uh, my oldest son, his name's Micah, um, to, to hear him talking about Jesus to my youngest son, who's two, his name's Theo. So Micah, uh, my wife hears Micah just explaining, uh, God to, to Theo. And so she walks over and, and is kind of spying on it and realizes that Micah has made a book. I colored a book, and here it is, um, that he was sharing with his, with his brother. And so as you look at, at this, you see a picture of, of who he said is, this is Theo and, and mommy. And up here you see, uh, you see Jesus sitting on a throne. Right on the back side, you see this this crown, and you open it up, and you see a cross on one side, and and a lot of words on the other. And I want to take a moment, and uh, I want to read. As a proud dad, I want to read what my what my son was telling my other son. He says, "God loves you." No matter if you don't follow the rules, God will love us forever and ever. God loves you and me, and he died for you. In heaven, you will not be sad. So that's amazing. <laughs> Church, these are the words written by a five-year-old as he thinks about the truth of, of, of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. Five years old, talking to a two-year-old about the gospel. You don't need eloquent words. <laughs> you just need the heart of a five-year-old. <laughs> To, to share the truth of the gospel message because that is power. That is the power. So I, uh, no matter what happened this morning, no matter how this morning turned out, it's a good day when as a dad, my day starts with that. So, so praise God for, for that. The gospel messenger church will never be powerless because the gospel is power. Now, I want us to do something as a church. <clears throat> we are two weeks away from the start of what is called Lent. Now, uh, for those of you who have never heard of Lent, for those of you who are thinking about fuzzy things in your pocket, right? Um, 
Lent is a part of the church liturgical calendar. Um, it is the 40 plus days that, that lead up to Easter weekend, right? And traditionally what the church will do is they will give up things for Lent. They'll give up things like you give up coffee. Yeah, don't do that, right? <laughs> I'm not recommending, I'm joking. Um, you'll give up TV. You give up something, give up something like that. Now, um, we aren't going to do a typical Lent time together here at Stone Oak Bible this year. Um, however, we are going to do something very unique, very special for Lent. Here's the question. Who is your one? Who is your one? So we have two weeks until Lent begins. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these two weeks and I want you to pray. Pray specifically, God, who is my one? Who would you have me share the gospel with? Who is my one? Now, as, I, as we said, the, sharing the gospel is a miraculous work. It's supernatural, amen? So we want to take two weeks, right, to pray specifically and earnestly for our one. For those that, we, that, that God has put in our path to share the gospel with. Who is your one? We don't want to go into these conversations relying on ourselves. No, we want to stop and we want to, we want to bathe this in prayer. We want to pray for them by name. We want to pray for the opportunity. We want to pray for them. Church, pray for them multiple times a day. For the next two weeks, pray that God would begin to work on their heart. Pray for them directly and specifically and repeatedly. Pray for them. For two weeks, ask that God would show you who your one is and then start to pray for them. Then, as Lent begins, let all of us, all of us, despite any fear that we might have, despite any inadequacy that we might feel in ourselves, hear me, church, let's go. Let's go. Let's share the gospel with our one. In your own way, in your own timing, well, I guess it's not your own timing because I am giving you 40 days, right? Um, but in your own way, in your own timing, let's go and let's share the gospel together. Who is your one? Who is your one? Hear me, I, um, here are some ground rules. As we go, here's some ground rules. Number one, success or failure has nothing to do with their response. Hear me, success and failure, they have nothing to do with their response. Paul already told us that the world's going to think this is crazy apart from a, a miraculous work of the Spirit on their heart. So your success is, is based on your obedience, not their response. Success, church, is obedience. That's number one. Number two, you are not alone. You're not alone. Um, as you look around, you're, you're surrounded by people who feel just as uncomfortable as you do. <laughs> Statistics show us, right? You're, you're looking at people who feel just as, as, as hesitant, just as uncomfortable maybe as you are. But you are not alone. You have prayer going on for you. 
I, you have community group leaders ready to help. I have let all of our elders, our, our staff, our deacons, um, community group leaders, we are all here and ready to help, ready to engage. Hear me. As a pastor... As a pastor, there is nothing that I would rather spend my time with than this. Please, please let me know how I can come alongside of you and help. I am here for you to pray for you and and hear me, okay? Hear me. I am in this with you. So here's the deal. What I'm doing right now, preaching the gospel, This does not count for me as my one. So what I'm doing, just like you, is I'm going to write a name. I think I know who I'm going to write, but I'm going to write a name. All right? I'm going to start praying for them during Lent. I am going to share the gospel with them. And I promise you, I am just as as fearful, (laughs) right, as you are. But I'm going to do it. Right along with you, we are going to do this together as a church. You are not alone. Thirdly, um, um, third, if someone responds to the gospel, right? Say you go, you you present the gospel, and, and God does a work, and what do you know? Someone responds to faith in the gospel. Praise God for that. But then maybe you're sitting there, and you're going, well, what now, Right? If someone responds in faith to the gospel, um, hear me, our church is ready to help. We are here. We are ready. We have systems in place. We're ready to go. All right. So let us know. You can let any of our leaders, any of us know, right? Now, my hope is that you let me know, right? Because this is incredible. Let me know. But, but if you go to someone else, I'll forgive you. Go and get um, um, some assistance. Let us know how we can help you plug them in. Now, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. We, uh, we're going to be celebrating baptisms on Easter morning here at Stone Oak Bible. And, and we have some uh, several signed up. Um, I can't wait to celebrate baptisms, but, but hear me. <laughs> How incredible would it be for us to celebrate new life together on Easter morning? I'm just saying. I'm just going to throw that. I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Church, I cannot wait to step into this with you. I am right here uh, beside you and with you. Who is your one? Who is your one? Um, there's, there's a card. It's somewhere around you. It was on every chair. So if it's not in your chair, someone stole it, but that's okay. We have extras, right? I want you to take this card. All this card says is, is who is your one with a box for you to write someone's name, someone's literal name. You write it, take this card, write that name, keep it in your wallet, put it on your mirror, put it on the side of your refrigerator. I don't know the, the point of these cards is to remind us to keep this fresh in our mind as we pray for who is our one. Who is our one? It's to keep this mission on our mind. Now, this is card is for you. Like, you don't need to go to your one and hand them a card and say, hey, you're my one, because that's weird, right? Um, But this card is for you to remind you to be on mission, 
to keep this fresh, to keep them fresh in your mind, in your prayer. I've said this before. We say this a lot here at Stone Oak. Church is not a spectator sport. You are the church. And over the next several weeks, church, we're being sent out. And I want to ask you to join in this mission with us here at Stone Oak.